What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, lead draft writer at BR, and joining me every Wednesday morning beautiful Manhattan is my buddy Connor Rogers and Connor man we're getting close to that one year anniversary we're getting real close it's anniversary month creeping up it is the day before April 20th April 19th is our one year (laughs) anniversary dude we got a loaded show today man I mean we got so much going on I know you have a lot to dump out from the insider buzz bag we're gonna do our top five sleepers Harrison Phillips from Stanford is going to join us on the show today to talk about his preparation for the NFL draft. And of course, we're going to answer all of your draft on draft questions. But first, Matt, we got to take care of some business around the league. Yeah, man, there's so much going on and it's it's almost hard to keep track of. So we're going to do our best to, to go kind of the things that we feel like you all care about. And I, you know, that's what draft on draft questions are for if we don't get to, to some of the things you all want to know. So one thing that I, I told you, I was driving. I took my son to school this morning, and and that's an, an hour and a half round trip thing. Uh, pro Yikes. tip: pro tip, divorce is fun. So, um, <laughs> so I'm thinking the whole way, you know, of like what you know the show today, and I was remembering all the conversations that, that me, you, and Mello had over the summer about this quarterback class and how great it was going to be. Of you know, like Josh Allen and Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, and those were the three dudes that we talked about all summer, comparing them to maybe that 2004 great class. And then the season started week one. We go to scout Josh Allen versus Iowa. Uh, Sam Darnold, you know, has 22 turnovers. Josh Rosen uh, rubs some people the wrong way. Also turns the ball over a decent amount. And then we see guys like Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson rise while maybe the the top guys fall. And one thing I wanted to like, I told you, I don't want to get too high horsey here because we're all in this shit together, but we have gone full circle with these quarterbacks now, man, of in June, July, August, these guys are great. They're going to go one, two, three quarterbacks are coming off the board super early September to December. Everybody's like, you guys were fucking wrong. They suck. (laughs) I don't want to draft a quarterback. Now it's April. We might see five of these dudes go in the first round Four are probably going to go in the top five. That's what's crazy about it. And I remember over summer, we talked about how like, Hey, the the Eli Manning might be Josh Rosen and the Philip river, you know, Philip Rivers, we might have Sam Darnold be the Philip Rivers, and maybe Josh Allen is the Big Ben. And then Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson put themselves into this equation. You have Mason Rudolph on the outside looking in, but still probably going to find his way into the top 50. This quarterback class is absolutely insane. And like you said, Matt, from everything we hear, it's expected that four go in the top five picks of this draft, which is just, it shows the demand for the position, but it also shows that there is a lot of talent at the position this year. Yeah, and one thing, like, I, I didn't plan on this dominating the first 10 minutes of the show today, but it's going to, I guess, is that we look at every other position as guys can be developed. And so often we get caught in the mud with quarterbacks of, now they are who they are. But I, I think the NFL ha- is ahead of the curve or ahead of a lot of us in the media on this. If They now look at quarterbacks as as truly developmental players, and they say, okay, Sam Darnold turned the ball over a lot this year, and and that's that's a bit of an issue. Can we fix it? And they they really have started to, I think, try to understand more why things go bad, why people play poorly, and can it be fixed instead of just 22 turnovers. Or like Josh Allen's completion percentage is probably the best example of this, of can it be fixed, and understanding the context of what caused some of those balls to go high. And then you realize, okay, well, it's a footwork issue. And so, okay, senior bowl, footwork looked better. Combine footwork looked better. Pro day footwork looked better. And of course, none of that is, well, I mean, a senior bowl kind of was, but none of that is against 
live defenses. So it's still a concern, but I think we're seeing a shift in how quarterbacks are evaluated and, and we'll see I mean, this, this draft class is going to, I really think set a foundation for how we talk even about quarterbacks because Josh Rosen's the most pro ready and he might be the fourth one drafted. So it, it could become more of, you know, let's swing for the fences like a Pat Mahomes. And I, I think people have forgotten how much of a, a project we all thought Carson Wentz was coming out, but that's definitely the way it, it seems to be going. Um, so your boy, Josh Rosen, uh, you guys have something in common. I don't know if you know this. We always ask why. <laughs> you always ask why, man. You're both millennials, too. Apparently, Josh Rosen's the only millennial out of this, you know, That's the, right. the, the elite top five quarterbacks in this class. He's the only one that is in his early 20s. And it was so funny to me because reading Mora's comments, and I even tweeted this, that was how, like, all my teachers talk. And even, like, my, my first, like, grown-up job, they talked about me of, like, if this guy gets bored, he's done. Like, he's clocked out on you. And so it was like, you know, I always got to find like different little projects to do. And so I didn't know that was a bad thing. I thought that was a sign of someone with a lot of interest and an ability to handle multiple things at once to be a multitasker. So I actually have ended up liking Josh Rosen as a person. I mean, so much more throughout this process of him, like tweeting the why, you know, hashtag why, and just like being fun about the questions that are being asked about him. Yeah, I thought it was it was pretty hilarious as well. I mean, he's obviously taking it lightly, and I think it's interesting when you look at Mora. Mora going back on and clarifying his comments, saying they were a good thing. You know, I think he felt the heat because a lot of people remembered that Mora gave Miles Jack a lot of flack for declaring early, saying that you know he didn't maybe he didn't have enough college film out there to warrant going to the NFL just yet, and Miles Jack has proved him wrong. So when you look at it, it it's never a good thing to come off a little petty about some of your top players leaving early to better their own lives, better their own career, their families, their financial earnings. So mm-hmm. it was just a very, very strange rant from Mora. I, you know, even saying that Donald's the better fit for Cleveland and then clarifying it's still Rosen's the best quarterback. Listen, if you're the best, if you truly believe a guy is the best at that position, then he's good enough to go number one overall. So it just came <laughs> off as... A, a lot of BS to me. Well, that's Jim Morris, and that's why he's yeah. that's why he's sitting at a desk talking about a guy football that did not nothing anymore. Yeah, a guy that did nothing to help Rosen throughout his career. When you look at the offensive lines and the talent around him, or the lack thereof, I didn't even think the coaching was very good while he was there. And they played in the Pac-12. It's not like they were in the SEC, where it always seems like an uphill climb. You were in the Pac-12, where, to be honest with you, the kind of talent that Josh Rosen is. Don't you think it was a super underwhelming three years for UCLA oh, yeah. while they had him there? Yeah, definitely. And just think of all the, the shit kicking that was done there because he was that dude got abused behind that offensive line. And that's an offensive line that like Colton Miller could be a late first rounder. And Connor McDermott was, yeah. uh, I believe, a fourth rounder last year. And there's been some some names on that offensive line. But I, I think that's a team that just never got better. And I'm excited to see where Rosen goes from here in terms of his development. Um really, really interesting player, right? He's a hard evaluation because it everything on the field looks so smooth, but then you worry about injuries and and that he's, you know, he doesn't move out of the pocket very well. And then, you know, just the the personality type stuff. So um on to another quarterback thing. And I tweeted this yesterday or I tweeted this Monday and did not expect it. It was just kind of a throwaway tweet. And then like BR picked it up and blew it up. And and so I feel like we should talk about it today. But uh, I, I really yesterday was my first full day back at work after everything that went down with Dan and 
So I started getting back on that grind of, you know, texting people, having conversations. And I was having one conversation and it sparked another of if the Giants take Josh Allen or excuse me, if the Browns take Josh Allen first overall, and there's been some talk about that. There really has been. What do the Giants do? And everything I heard back, and I, I probably text six, seven guys who work in the NFL, they all said Sam Darnold will be the picket too. And that, so I like you have said to me a lot of times, you, we don't trust anything we hear five weeks out or four weeks out, how many weeks, yep. however weeks it is now. But this one seems to have a lot of meat to it because I, I've started to even hear it from different channels now that the Giants do love Sam Darnold. And if he's there, he'll be the pick, which it's kind of a nightmare scenario for your Jets if Josh Allen and Sam Darnold are gone, unless they take your guy, Josh Rosen. I was going to say, it might actually work out for the Jets because you'd have Rosen and Baker Mayfield sitting there, and you say, okay, well, which guy do we like better? And we know Todd Bowles has raved about Baker Mayfield. I think it's safe to say that teams looking for you know that classic pocket passer with flawless mechanics will really favor Rosen. So it's a very, very inter- interesting scenario for the Jets at three if it came down to that. That shakes up this entire draft because if Allen goes number one and then Darnold goes number two, we know the Jets are taking a quarterback number three. Do the Bills come up to number four for a quarterback? It pushes Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, all the sa- the safeties between Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick. It, these guys all go down the board. This is something you and I have talked about. So the Browns have the potential to really turn this draft upside down with a pick that we did not expect a month ago. And now it's, it's garnering serious attention yeah. and picking up serious traction that it's very much in play for Cleveland at number one to take Josh Allen. And on that note of would Cleveland let Buffalo come up, I keep hearing the Browns don't want to trade. That Dorsey sees this as a chance to get two premier blue chip players and roll with it. So to go from four to 12, yeah, you're going to get a ton of picks in the future. You're probably going to get 12, 22, and a first next year. But as we've talked about, this is not a great draft class. The guy you're going to get at 12 is a lot different than the guy you're going to get at four. Yes. And the guy at 22 on an, on a pretty young roster already that I know they only won one game in the last two years, but it is a young roster and you've got a lot of guys slotted into spots. I mean, at some point you can only have so many draft picks that are going to be able to compete and make your, your team. So I, I, I know that there's going to be a lot of conjecture of, Oh, the Browns will just trade out at four. And I think that's because we all got used to the Browns trading so much, but you know, Dorsey's not really a trade back kind of guy. He's more of a, a go be aggressive type GM. So they are going to be, they're going to be fascinating. And and by the time that, you know, pick six comes around where the Colts are at and there's some feeling they might trade, the top four quarterbacks might be gone. And one reason for that, Baker Mayfield's spending two and a half days with the Browns right now, which I think they're just doing their diligence on him, getting to know a, a guy who's a pretty controversial prospect. But that's a lot of time to spend with one dude. And uh, hopefully what it means is that Jimmy Haslam learned from that 2014 draft when they selected Johnny Manziel and passed on Derek Carr, Blake Bortles, Teddy Bridgewater, all the quarterbacks who were in that group. And now they're saying, okay, let's make sure we kind of, you know, cross our T's and dot our I's and and make 100% sure that some homeless dude's not picking this quarterback. Uh, you know what, Matt? Another thing, too, that I want to talk about is really smart people that work together for a long time or learn from each other often think the same way. And I think when the Jets made the trade with the Colts, And that day, Chris Ballard comes out and says to the Colts media on camera, 
We did not want to move out of the top 10 and miss the chance to land a premium player in this draft. I could see John Dorsey thinking the same exact way oh, as yeah. a guy he worked closely with and Chris Ballard and saying, Chris Ballard doesn't want to move out of this top 10. He only wanted to move to six. I don't think I want to move out of four back to 12 or 11 or 15. That's the Bills, Miami, Arizona. He probably is thinking the same exact way Ballard is. The only difference is Ballard has come out and already said it because he already made his trade back. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a, a very, very good point. So it's going to be, man, the Browns have so much so much capital. They're just like a they're like a rich kid who just got his trust fund and they don't really know, you know, what to do with all this money, but it is we could be seeing the turnaround of the Cleveland Browns finally. I think it's going to happen. I don't, I don't think it'll be this year, but I think 2019 they'll be a very competitive team. Yeah. All right, how about Lamar Jackson uh missing in action for some meetings apparently. Teams are having a hard time getting a hold of this dude. And this is something that we have talked about with didn't hire an agent. His mom's kind of helping him out as his manager. He's self-representing, and now teams are having trouble. And I thought it was really fascinating that a guy who's been very quiet throughout this entire process, as soon as word comes out that, hey, some of these teams are having a hard time getting in in touch with him, like the next day he tweets about, like, you know, so thankful for all the teams that have worked me out and yada, yada, yada. But, man, as fascinating as he is as a prospect, and I I know there was a a moment in time in this process where people really – thought I didn't like him. I do like him. I, I think he's his potential is is through the roof. He has made a bad decision by trying to go this unconventional route, and it could it could cost him on draft day. I actually think it will, not could. I, I would go as far as say it will. Like if if there was a chance he was going to be a late first round pick, this could put him into the second round just because it, teams are going to be frustrated by it. And Maybe you have some GM who's opportunistic and says, you know, hey, we can actually get this kid pretty cheap and probably get him on a five-year deal because he doesn't have an agent. So maybe they look at it that way. But I I do think it's going to hurt him once we actually get to the end of this month. It hasn't been great. You can I explained this on Twitter, and I think our coworker, our colleague, Mike Freeman, explained it really well on Twitter. He said, you know, Lamar Jackson is a quarterback. Lamar Jackson is a very good quarterback prospect. Also, Lamar Jackson should have hired an agent or should have handled this process a little better. You can think both things. That's the thing. Like, I like Lamar Jackson a lot. I think he's a first-round quarterback prospect. I think the handling of this whole situation, it, it comes off a little immature. And guess what? When you're 19, 20, 21 years old, even 22 and 23, you make mistakes that aren't, you know, career-altering necessary mistakes. But at the end of the day not hiring an agent for what would have been a 1% contract fee of his rookie deal. It's just, it just wasn't the best idea because this process could have been a lot smoother and there is some hard feelings again. Agents are very defensive about their business and definitely do have contacts in the media where they do all they can to defend it. Understandably. I totally get it. So I see both sides of this and I think it, it was just something that, didn't have to happen, and it's something that we shouldn't be talking about. So at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson didn't do a great job by avoiding what was really just a very avoidable mistake. Yeah, last note uh, before we jump into our scouts quote and talk some sleepers. The Odell Beckham trade buzz is real, man. And I know like right before we sat down, I think I got a, an alert in the BR app where Schefter had said the same thing of like, this is like, there's it's not just talk. There's some reality here. I have heard the same thing that, 
it's not just it's not just them wanting to you know maybe discipline him in the media by saying oh we might trade you and do you remember when we fixed the giants the first move i said i was going to make i said i was yes. going to trade odell beckham <laughs> that's so, right um and I, you said back in i believe in october that they had or maybe it was november either way you said in the middle of the season that they had never had any kind of contract talks started yeah, no. and that the odell party was a little offended by that yep and so man well it's that's going to be interesting but I'm all in on him being a, a Los Angeles Ram, and apparently he's already like telling Rams players that he wants to be there. He lives in L.A. in the offseason, so ugh. so that's where we're at with maybe the second-best receiver in the, NFL, in the NFL about to get traded. So we both have scouts quotes, and they're both about the same dude. So right? you want to go first? The guy, that, <laughs> the guy that's been the most polarizing guy in this draft. So, and now after you kind of crushed the dreams here and said the Browns might just take him at number one, I have heard that multiple teams believe if the Bills do move up in this draft, that it would be for Josh Allen. That's who they would be making the move for. Now, I know they've done a lot of homework on Baker Mayfield. I know they've done their homework on Josh Rosen. You said last summer before we knew or thought he was going one or two, that they had done a ton of homework on Sam Darnold. So if I had to guess, I think the Bills quarterback would look something like Darnold, Allen, and then either Rosen or Baker. But we're still assuming Darnold's going number one. So teams do believe if the Bills can get up, that it would be for Josh Allen. Makes sense. And people always laugh at this stuff, but it is very true. Like a quarterback with that size, arm strength and athleticism in a cold environment is going to be a guy that you want more than, you know, a, a smaller, you know, smaller armed, less athletic guy. So, and my scouts quote was, um, it was last week, but I got a, a text from somebody who was like, your, your boy is going to go real high. And of course, because, you know, for over a year now, I have been associated with Josh Allen and, uh, this is like a reverse Alshon for me. If he fails, I'm screwed like that. If he busts <laughs> guys, uh, I might need a job. So let's fingers You're not crossed. Screwed. Everybody <laughs> has plenty of misses, right? Yeah. You survived the great Trent Richardson debacle. That's so. true. Yeah. But everyone liked him and he failed. So that makes it easier. So we'll see. I might be, uh, I might be teaching history at, you know, junior high history with Mello and coaching football. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but let's hop into these sleepers real quick, man. Um, wanted to talk about some guys who, because we are in draft month now flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, we, we each listed five mine uh, and I'll just, I'll list them and I'll, I'll pull out a few to talk about Antonio Callaway from Florida, Luke Falk, Washington state, Uchenna Nwosu from USC, uh, the Wisconsin linebacker, Jack CG and, Jorge State D-line Nathan Shepard. And I want to talk about Antonio Callaway because I, I, you and I have been texting about him a lot, talking about the off-field versus on-field. And I, I ended up tweeting it that he would be on talent, my number three receiver in this in this draft. And, you know, I'm, it's that time of year I'm putting grades out. You can read the Draft 400 series in your BR app, and you'll get those grades and you can cross-compare. But he is so damn athletic and fast and smooth, and he's just a beautiful wide receiver. But then you have the off-field stuff where, I mean, he was charged with sexual assault during the trial, said, I didn't do it. I was too high to do it. Uh, he's you know been oh. su- suspended for marijuana possess- or arrested for marijuana possession. He was suspended because of the credit card scandal that happened in Florida Fraud, last year. Yeah. yeah, and didn't play at all in 2017. So maybe not a great human being, but he it, it's in some ways how we had to talk about Joe Mixon last year where 
okay, yeah, yeah. I don't want, I wouldn't be friends with this guy. I don't want my daughter or any of my friends to date this guy. But the NFL sometimes is willing to overlook some of these things because a guy's really good at football. And I would not be shocked if he ends up being a second round pick, which is exactly what we said about Joe Mixon last year. Wow. And he was a second round pick. So just something to keep an eye on. That is really interesting. I've gone as far to say that he had the potential if he was on the field and worked very hard to have been the number one wide receiver in this class. And you watch him the few times he's been on the field and you go, oh my God, that's Percy Harvin. That's who it is when you watch him play. The play speed, I, I remember the first time I ever clipped out a play last summer, I think it was last June I was watching him or May, and one of the first players I watched, and I said he shot out of a cannon. It doesn't look like the real game speed compared to what everyone else is moving at. So it's a shame that Callaway has had that many off-field issues and serious off-field issues. But to hear you say that he might go in the second round, it goes to show you how talented he is. And it's very believable because we just saw this last year. For my opinions, I mean... you. It always changes when you could see what happened, and it doesn't make it right or wrong. But we saw the Joe Mixon video, and the guy still went in the second round. I think Antonio Callaway might have more raw talent, and the footage of his instance isn't out there. So when you say second round, I'm not shocked, honestly. And we should throw in, like, he was not charged with sexual assault. The charges were dropped. Uh, He was cited for marijuana possession, so it's basically like a ticket. And... Whichever side of that you come down on, what should it be legal? Should it not be legal? Cool. But he had I mean, it and he's all, not supposed yeah. to. So <laughs> that's that's when it becomes a problem. I don't care that you do it. Just uh, if your job depends on it, don't get caught with it. Um, so he is an interesting player, though, man. Uh, how about how about your guys? There's some some yeah. fun names here. A lot of Florida yeah, of names, course. man. Yeah, I did go very Florida heavy <laughs> here. I got Braxton Berrios, the wide receiver out of Miami. Oh, of course. Also known as my doppelganger, so uh, I could not, you know, leave him off this list. Uh, Derek Nottie from Florida State, just an awesome run defender. He's a guy that gets the size knock because he's slightly under 300 pounds. He's about six feet, six foot one. So it's surprising when we call guys like that small for the interior defensive line, but he plays like a giant. It's very impressive, his run defense. Christopher Herndon, the tight end from Miami, a guy that could do a little bit of blocking, a little bit of pass catching, you know, very nice tight end in that regard. The production wasn't there mostly because of the quarterback problems at Miami. Nick Nelson from Wisconsin, a very underrated corner in this class. He yeah. transferred from Hawaii, a guy that I think he was he was in the top five of uh, passes defense this year. He did not have an interception, which is really odd, but he's always in the right place to make a play on the ball. So if you're looking for a fourth round corner uh, that can really come in and play right away, whether you know probably in the slot, Nick yeah, Nelson's kind of that guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah, and then Justin Reed from Stanford. This was one that when we were preparing for the show, I talked about with you. I said, is it fair to put a guy that's going in the top 50 on the sleepers list? And you were like, yes, because people aren't talking about him enough. When you look at a great athlete coming out of Stanford, really bright guy, a versatile, versatile guy, a guy that could do so many different things for you at the safety position, whether it's cover, whether it's play downhill, play in the box. This is a player that if he snuck into that first round, whether it's the Eagles looking for that Malcolm Jenkins replacement down the road or a guy that goes top 40 at the end of the day, after Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick and maybe Ronnie Harrison, this is a very, very impressive player at the safety position in this class. Oh, yeah. And when you put his name on there, I was like, damn, I I like that kid so much. And I 
I'm a Ronnie Harrison guy, and I, I have been uh, throughout this process. I would not be shocked if Justin Reed goes ahead of him and is a first-round pick. He kind of feels like a guy who should be a New England Patriot. Oh, God. Yeah, you're right. You're definitely right. I mean, we know he's got the brains, and he's an incredible athlete. So they like those uh, those versatile guys in the secondary that can do a little bit of everything in that defense. All right, guys, we're really lucky to be joined today by one of the best defensive linemen in the country, one of the best defensive linemen in the draft. That's Stanford's Harrison Phillips. Harrison, thanks for taking some time for us, man. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me come on. Yeah, so I, I'm a 49ers fan, which I, I think everyone can tell from my my tweets and my Jimmy Garoppolo right. shrine. But you played uh, last season with a guy in Solomon Thomas who was the number three overall pick in the draft. And I know all of our Niner fan listeners would be upset if I didn't start this off by asking, what was it like playing next to him and and competing against him, and how did you guys make each other better? I mean, we had a fantastic relationship. Before we go to the competition stuff that we did on the field, like we just had a real fun like relationship outside the field. We do like ridiculous stuff together. I mean, um, our locker room is divided up by like position groups and offense and defense, so we have like the D line locker hall. Um, and then like Solly and I were like the, the heads of the, the D line hawk locker hall. You weren't allowed to come in unless you knocked. Like if you didn't knock and came in our locker hall, like we jump you, it was kind of like each position group is like a gang and, uh, no one messed with the D line because of like Solly and I, and he coined our nicknames like, uh, Ali and Frazier joining forces, <laughs> uh, the heavyweight boxers. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, off the field, we just like great relationship. He's back now. Um, We've been training together, swimming together, hitting the field together, lifting together, getting dinner together. We've been um, hanging out all last week. So it's good that he's back around. Um, And then when it came to like on the field, we just always found each other to push, you know, push each other. And so I think it was important for us to specify to one another that we play a different position. And that way we weren't in direct competition with each other. Um, the only time that we had that was about our sophomore year, our second year here. He redshirted freshman year. I played freshman year. And then it was him. It was him, Aziz, Shatu, Brennan, Scarlett, and myself all competing to start. Um, and you know, those, all three of those guys have now gone and play, are playing or on a, a team in the NFL. And so that season, it was like competitive for who's going to get this start game one. Um, but then I, I got injured. Solomon had to slide down to nose guard. Um, and then the following year we were both healthy playing again, uh, together. And, uh, I I could probably tip my hat to him as as he would probably do the same to me. Um, a lot of my production that season came to him holding up double teams, me chasing down backside or, um, they couldn't always give him one-on-ones. They couldn't always give me one-on-ones. So when they did, the other person would go eat. Um, and it, it was definitely fun. I missed having him this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that opens up like every question I had planned for you. We can branch off that one really good answer and go into it. But you just mentioned like, you know, there were times Sally had to play nose. And, and this past year, I mean, you played nose tackle, even though you're not traditionally built like what people like. You're not built like Vita Vea, you know, like you're you're a, a leaner guy. But and you played all over the D line. What spot do you feel is best for you as a, an NFL player? Where where would you ideally play? And I know you're going to say, like, I'll play anywhere, but like, where do you like to play best? Yeah, you know, I uh, I definitely, like, whole, whole life pretty much. Uh, well, just for a long time, it's been I love lining up on guards. In my opinion, like, a guard is a nasty, tough, like, they got feet to play at this high level. They have feet. They're strong. Um, kind of like the meanest dude on the teams are the guards. And so I, I like doing that. But through this season, 
um, <laughs> I realized that I can kind of whoop some centers pretty easy sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're like the lighter body stuff. And there's a lot of tape of me just driving dudes back with one hand. <laughs> um, I don't know how that would really translate to the NFL, but, uh, I, I feel really comfortable in a shaded technique, either shaded three, a shaded two eye. So inside of the guard or uh, a shade on a, uh, a center. I kind of like that area close to the ball still can get a pass rush. Cause I'm shaded kind of that area. Do you feel like your quickness is just such an asset when you do get in there? Cause like you said, like guards are usually maulers a lot of the time and, and you're, you're going to see that at the next level. And you definitely saw it at the senior bowl with some of the dudes who were there, but is that an area where, because you are, you're so quick off the ball. Is that kind of how you can get those guys? Yeah. And I think that that part of my game will, um, exponentially increase as a C, uh, in the NFL, because the scheme that I played at Stanford was, uh, kind of read and react. So sometimes we had like plays dialed up where I could go have a quick get off, but you know, half the time I have to sit in my stance and read what they're doing before I could get a get off depending on what scheme I'm in in the league. Um, if they're just a go get team, I can really, um, show that quickness about me. And I think that, um, the combine, pro agility and L cone and vertical jump, those type of drills show that I do have that explosiveness. Yeah. And one thing when I, when I started writing my scouting report on you that I kept finding was that you were this stud high school wrestler. And that's something like anyone who evaluates, we always nerd out when you see that a guy was a good high school wrestler. How important is that background of being a two sport athlete and, and maybe more than two sport, but especially for an interior lineman on either side of the ball, having that wrestling background seems like it would be almost cheating to have that advantage. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you said it, I think it's very important to play a bunch of sports growing up. I did same with high school, but yeah, wrestling was the one that parallel paralleled so well with, uh, with football. Um, and I don't even know if I had to be as successful as I won. I was, you know, multiple times state and national champion. I don't know if you need to have that success, but I think it's important to still build those physical traits, especially with the line, everything coming out of your hips, being on the balls of your feet, reacting so quickly, having awareness for, um, your body position. I get in such weird positions on the field where most people think I'd get pancaked. Um, but I feel comfortable there because I've been there so many times. Um, and then again, I've said this before too, but the mindset that goes into it, like, in a wrestling match, it's you and another person. You can't blame anybody. You can't blame the play call or your shoes or anything. It's you versus another person. And in the trenches, it's oftentimes the same way. And I'm not going to let one person, you know, get the best of me. Even if they want to bring two, that's still my job to win. I can't blame anybody else for that. Yeah. And to that point, I got to ask, man, how the hell does a defensive lineman lead the team in tackles? How does, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Usually it's a yeah. line, middle linebacker, strong safety. You played nose tackle and led the team in tackles. That's yeah. Have I teams mean, been bringing that up to you? Like, how the hell do you pull this off? Yeah, I mean, I think teams are pretty impressed with the production. I think that that's, um, you know, I don't know if it ever really hit me as I was going through the season at what like what I was doing. I mean, you don't want to. I mean, I've just had other people tell me like a historic season. You know, like compared to Sue's Heisman season, um, and. Uh, you know, I, I think that I have to tip my hat to my teammates and my coaches because the coaching staff allowed me to kind of not play that typical nose guard position where I just have to sit there and eat blocks. They let me, um, if I like knew the play ahead of time, because I, I do that often, I can anticipate plays and pick up on things. So they said like, Hey, if you know something, just play off of it. Don't, you don't have to do it. You're, you know, you don't have to go to this side of a gap. If you know, the play is going to be outside zone, go get it. 
So they let me do some of that stuff as well as my linebackers making the double teams come off me and my other defensive linemen. Um, we had a few plays that we ran that would kind of stunt them a little bit. So I couldn't get double teamed. Um, if I got double teamed, they'd have a free TFL or whatever. So um, the whole scheme and my coaches, but um, I would just say in myself, it was, it was due to passion, like how much I love the game. I'm willing to play <laughs> 85, 90% of our snaps, even though I'm dead tired and gas is, um, I just love the game. I want to be out there. So I'm playing a little bit more as well as the film study that goes in beforehand. Um, that allows me to, to know exactly what I'm going to see every play. Yeah, that that's rare. I, I'll tell you that. So you mentioned you just came th- through the combine and that whole process is, is stressful and it's, it's kind of insane. Uh, well, you don't have to tell us the team because I understand a lot of times they'll be like, don't tell anyone you, that we talked to you. But what was the weirdest yeah. question you got asked while you were there? Honestly, I, most people were real straight shooters with me. Um, I think that they kind of saw past the BS with me and realized like, all right, like he's a good dude. He's a smart dude. Like I wasn't asked. A, I, uh, I think somebody said, am I a cat or a dog? I yeah. think I got that one. That's a popular um, one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got that one. And I, I actually said a cat and I said, cause I'm a lion. Oh. So I thought that I handled that well. That's good. <laughs> I'm going to be the king, uh, the king of the jungle. Um, but yeah, I really got uh, a pretty, pretty straight, nothing crazy. Do do you guys, do Stanford guys ever get the, he might be too smart. You know, like everybody's saying that with Rosen now, like Josh Rosnett, UCLA, like, oh, he's, he cares about things other than football. He's too smart. And you're, I mean, you obviously got to be, you know, an upper level person to get into Stanford. Do you ever get that? Or do they just not care when it comes to defensive players? Um, no, I definitely get that too. And that's funny that you, you brought that up. I, somebody said that I was the only person in the 30, 30, 30 club, which is like a, over a 30 on the wonder lick over 30 inch vert and over 30 on the bench, something like that. But so that, that whole like smarts things at the wonder lick test. Um, and I don't know what my score was, but I know what I was getting when I was practicing. Um, and like there was, there was some conversation like, Hey, do you purposely miss some? So <laughs> right. they don't think you're this smart. You I've know, heard type of that. Thing. Yeah. Um, Cause I was, I mean, I was scoring in the, the mid forties, mid to low forties. Um, so my, my competition was, Hey, am I going to bench more or get higher on the wonder league? <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I think that I just, uh, they said, you know, you diagnose the play so well, we can see it on your film where, you know, in the second half you've picked up on their calls, you know, their count plus the film, you'll know a play is coming. You won't even get touched. You'll just know exactly what's going to happen. Where's the blocking scheme free tackle. Um, and I, you know, what happens if they don't do that? You know, what happens if they do break tendencies? And um, a great game to watch for that is Oregon State. In the Oregon State game, they had a brand new head coach. We never saw anything that they were going to run. Um, and that was one of my better games. And so I don't think that there, there probably are some kids. I think we have a couple that I've played with that try to be too analytical about it. Um but at the end of the day, I'm a football player. I'm not an intellectual and academic. I'm a football player who has some traits that are intellectual or intelligence. Um, but if I have to throw out one thing, I'm going to throw out the academic in me to go play football. I'm not going to throw out the side of the football dog in me before I, you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I, I try to demonstrate as the best as I could that. So we just went through a bunch of really smart questions. Now we're going to get to our really dumb questions. <laughs> that oh, we, that's uh, all good. Yeah, that we, we close out every interview. We call it the gauntlet. We ask every player, politician, actor, musician, the same five questions. 
Uh, number one, what's your pregame meal, that, like your go-to? Uh, my pregame meal is, is very basic and easy. It's just chicken breast, spinach, and then uh, Gatorade. All right, that is. Everyone else has said spaghetti, so thank you for mixing it up. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, I think that I'd take super strength. I mean, how many bench reps did you get? I feel like you're kind of close to there already. So, <laughs> uh, depends on who you ask on that. I, I, some people counted 45. Some people said minus three, put me at 42. Who knows? Yeah. And that people get, take that stuff personally too. You know, if, if you felt like you were getting 45 and they say 42 that I've seen, I've seen players get mad. So that is, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was more uh, in that whole situation. I was more frustrated with like, we're not properly rested. We're not properly warmed up. We haven't ate properly. I mean, yeah. in training I was hitting fifties. So like there was a chance I was going to break the record. Um, but then you go there, they're a little bit more strict on how far you have to lock out. You're not as well rested and stuff. So, um, yeah, I was, I was over 10 away from my PR. So that was, that was a bummer. Um, but either way I checked the box. I'm strong. Yeah, for sure. All right, what's the one game that none of your friends can beat you at? And it might be a bench press competition after hearing that. <laughs> uh, I would probably say a wrestling match. Uh, if anyone's ever been, uh, I don't know, confident enough to try to step it, uh, wrestle me, it, it has not gone well for them. <laughs> that is good to know. All right, two more fun ones. You're stranded on a deserted island. Who do you want there with you? I'm stranded on a deserted island. I'd want Bear Grylls. I, I would have bet money that was going to be your answer because yeah. you're too smart. Okay, last one, and this has tripped a lot of people up. What would your online dating profile say? Like if you had a Tinder or all those, you know, fun apps, what would your oh, what's your one-liner? Ah, oh, damn. That is, that is a good one because, like, it's not douchey as you want, but, like, if you say you're an NFL football player, like, that's going to help, but that's pretty douchey shit. Um. <laughs> Damn. I mean, I would probably just be like, I'd probably hit like a, a five words to describe me are loyal, uh, blue collared, uh, passionate, uh, follower of Jesus Christ, uh, and ball is life or something like that. That's good. And I do just think give like, a little, little well-rounded yeah. of, of what I care about. It, you, you could just have it say, Google me. You know, and just like, oh, there just you go. Wiki, Money. A little Wikipedia link. <laughs> yeah, that would work. Yeah. There we go. All right, man. Or or maybe I'm the I'm the skinniest 307 pounder you'll ever see. <laughs> that is actually true. I I really <laughs> thought you were gonna be like 285. So that is very, very true. All right, man. You also have the best Twitter handle in the 2018 draft class. You're at horrible Harry 66. Best handle in the class. Love it. Awesome. So thanks for your time, man. Uh, really fun interview. And as you know, we're all rooting for you. Uh, it's going to be a fun, fun time watching your career develop. Yeah, thank you. Let's hope it's a long one, too. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks again. A big thank you to Harrison Phillips for joining us this week. Uh, you know, a guy that you were talking about a while ago. You said, listen, he might be one of the smartest players in this draft. He might be one of the tougher guys on day two. So it was great to have him on the show. And we wish him the best of luck with the draft coming up. So, all right. We got to do it. Draft on draft. No beers as it's a little early in New York City right now, but don't worry. Plenty of those will be on the way this month, especially time to answer all your questions. Let's get to it. The first one from Mo Talib at Motali 86. Name a player on offense and defense who you think has flown completely under the radar. Well, it's funny we, when we do listen, this. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But listen, it, sleepers can be different from completely under the radar. Like I want to talk about, I want to give you someone here 
that you probably haven't even heard their name. So I need a minute to look through to actually think of that guy. But uh, I got one I'll for you on one. offense. Yeah, I got one too. You go first, Matt. Martez Carter from that was Grambling. perfect. I love yep. Martez yep. Carter. Fast. He's like a poor man's Tariq Cohen, but he is a little jitterbug, and he's probably going to be like a seventh rounder, maybe a priority free agent. But keep an eye on this dude because he can fly. So he would be one that's like so far under the radar. I, I would have said like Naheem Hines until a month and a half ago. And I, I do actually think they're kind of similar. So if a team that missed out on Cohen and then misses out on Hines, but still wants that scat guy, they can get Martez Carter. So I'm going to give you a running back as well. Chase Edmonds That's from a good one. Fordham, not too far away from our New York city office is Fordham. So Chase Edmonds, another small running back five, nine, 205 pounds. He did get a combine invite and kind of went under the radar because with running backs, we look at the 40 so often. He ran a 4.55, which is, you know, not what you want at that size. Three cones, 6.79, 20-yard shuttle, 4.07. Those were both in the top performers of the running backs group, which is very important. Your change of direction, your acceleration. Chase Edmonds is a guy that I think he's going to get drafted, and I think he can really work himself down into a, a third down running back role in the future. We both picked really small running backs. So yeah, those guys always go in the, <laughs> in the fifth to seventh round. And then we're talking about them all preseason. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Did you have one on defense? I uh, defense. I feel like we talk so much about the guys, but um, I, I guess one that I like that hasn't, that we haven't talked a ton about is uh, Trey Matthews, the safety from Auburn, like yep. just a hitter. And he was mean down in Mobile. Not Ooh, a man. ton of range, but tough dude. Really good, strong safety. And I, I put, uh, what did I put? A sixth round grade on him. So yeah, not like a super early guy by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I think he could be a player. Definitely, as long as we still have kickoffs in the NFL, he could play special teams. Uh, another guy on the defensive side that you probably haven't heard a ton about would be Fred Warner. From BYU, the linebacker, he's got some good length at 6'3", only weighs around, you know, 6'30". I have to check what he weighed in the combine, but that would probably be your defensive player where you're looking at all these linebackers, and for somehow, some reason, he's become kind of buried in that group. So, all right, this next one from Jose Bussell, Joker Bus. Sorry if I butchered your last name there, Jose. So, what would be more surprising, Lamar Jackson drafted in the top 15 or Mason Rudolph drafted before him? I know what your answer is going to be, Matt. My it, it would be Lamar Jackson in the top fifteen. Like I think, would, yeah, I think that happens if Buffalo can't trade up and just panics at twelve and says we have to get a quarterback because we have AJ McCarron and Nathan Peterman. Holy shit! Let's just draft Lamar Jackson and uh, we're going to build an offense around him and uh, and Lashawn McCoy and and hope for the best because their receivers are not very good either. Yeah, and to piggyback off of your answer, I'm my answer is the same. I wouldn't be too shocked to see the Bills take Mason Rudolph at 22 instead of Lamar Jackson. From what I've heard, you know, going around, I, it just wouldn't shock me. So to simply answer that question, Lamar in the top 15 would be a little more surprising yeah. to me. All right, buddy. Here we go from Thomas at TJ underscore Wheaton. Who are some day two or day three guys at D tackle the Raiders could look at assuming they go linebacker or corner with 10 overall? I mean, I mentioned Nathan Shepard from Fort Hay State. You mentioned Derek Naughty. Yeah, those uh, two are Florida perfect. State. Yeah, <laughs> uh, both are, you know, nose tackles. They're going to definitely fit that mold of uh, if you're just looking for an interior run presence, which they definitely don't have right now. I think they're they're both good fits. Um, 
going a little bit deeper than that. I still like Bilal Nichols uh, from Delaware quite a bit. He's got good length, was great at the Shrine game. He's a little bit of a like a Grady Jarrett type, you know, like 6'3", 300 pounds, quick first step, small school dude, but but I do think he could be a pretty good player. Man, I really like the NC State guys. B.J. Oh, yeah. Hill. B.J. Yeah. Hill, Justin Jones, Contavious yeah, Street. Li- Problem is they're I all like going to coast guys. so damn early. Like, I know. You're probably right. Day three, definitely out of the question. I think day two, if those yeah. guys are sitting there, that could be a really good route for the Raiders to take. All right, this one from Roman Tomasoff. He always sends us some really good stuff. At our Tomasoff 34, would you rather build a defense around Bradley Chubb or Miles Garrett? That's Miles Garrett for me. I it's think no, this I is mean, easy. Yeah. Yeah, very. I you like Bradley why, Chubb, but man. Some people, there was some media quotes. It might even been from Lewis Riddick, who's really, really good. They said that they they thought Bradley Chubb was a com, you know a very comparative comparable prospect to Miles Garrett in terms of talent. Mm. I could not disagree more. No, I could not. Disagree. He's good. He is not that athletic. Chubb's Chubb's very good player. Chubb is very um, Olivier Vernon to me. Yeah. Where Miles Miles Garrett was like holy was shit. This guy could be this guy could be like Khalil Mack Von Miller ish production. That yeah. kind of production. So, I'm yeah, you. that one's an easy one for me. I think I, uh, maybe letting the cat out of the bag, I think I actually compared uh, Chubb to, <laughs> excuse me, to Sean Merriman before before drugs, you know, like before the oh, PEDs. Man. Lights so out. So, good player. <laughs> good player. Doesn't have quite the uh, sack move, but he's just not as athletic as, I mean, he's athletic. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he whipped no, my he's ass. he's tough as fuck. All dude. over his he office. Really is. But Miles yeah, Garrett was... Him off was generational. So, and I like, I mean, Chubb is my number two player in this class. I think I have my ranking sorted funny right now and putting grades in so everything's changing, but yeah, number two player in the class. I really like him. He's just, sorry. He's not miles Garrett. All right. Anthony Mongaluzzo, who let's just make it official. He's just listener of the month for March. Cause he's amazing. Uh, what he might be listener of the year. He really <laughs> might be. What movie best describes your guys lives. And I already plugged my answer in. So I'll give you a moment to think about this. Mine is Groundhog Day because not only am I like a creature of habit, I've eaten the same thing for breakfast for about four years. I get a, oh my God. I, I really do. Like, unless I'm like, have to go meet someone for breakfast, I eat a peanut butter cliff bar and I either have a, a smart water or a monster energy drink, depending on how the night went. So I eat the same fucking thing for breakfast. I like my wardrobe doesn't get real versatile a lot of the time because no one sees me. I work alone. Uh, and I come to the office and I do the same thing all day, every day. I watch football and I talk to you and I talk to Mello. And <laughs> so mine is Groundhog Day where I will straight up forget what day it is. I generally don't know the day of the month, like what, like today, oh, my watch, it's April 3rd. You could have told me it was April 10th and I would have believed you. I usually have no clue what's going on. Man, that's a tough one to describe my life. <laughs> My life. Uh, let's go with pain and gain with Mark Wahlberg. That's who I want to be. <laughs> so without the crime. <laughs> oh, man. The that's, Friday that's show the, is like Entourage, I guess. That's would be. The, yes. Yes. That's the worst best movie ever. It is. It really is. The, <laughs> it's such a bad movie that I, I like adore. So <laughs> of course you do. All right. Yeah. This one from this one from Raiders, not the team account at Raiders underscore one ninety eight. Where would your top two corners in this year's draft, Denzel Ward and Josh Jackson, stack up rankings-wise with last year's top five drafted? 
Yeah, so Ooh, man. that's a cool thing okay. about like migrating skill is I can just look at the numbers and see. So what I think what people forget about last year was that Marshawn Lattimore had you know, chronic hamstring injuries and he turned into a yes. fucking beautiful player, right? Uh, Gary and Conley obviously had some off-field stuff happen and Quincy Wilson didn't run as well as we expected. So, but I put high grades on those guys. Uh, on grade alone, I think think Denzel Ward will be higher than them just because I do feel like he's really clean Same. as a prospect, but he is also a little undersized. So that would be what would affect that for me. Josh Jackson would be below all those guys last year would probably be comparable to where I had. Um, well, he would, I didn't like the corners after those big three last year. So he would be probably where I had Trey white, you know, like a late first round type guy. So last year, the top five corners taken were Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Marlon Humphrey, Adoree Jackson, Garyon Conley, those guys, all, and Tredavious White, those guys all went in the first round. And then you had Kevin King, uh, Sidney Jones, and Quincy Wilson. I actually had Sidney Jones as my top-ranked corner. The, the only reason he went in the second round is because he got hurt right. in his pro day. So I think my Denzel Ward grade will be somewhat similar to Sidney Jones. I panicked about the Marshawn Lattimore injuries. No, I thought we he all was did. Very, yeah, I, I mean, thought he teams was an did. excellent player. I mean, that's not even, and he's been on the show. Marshawn is awesome. It, the, it's not like any guarantee that he's going to be this, you know, every game player. I hope he is. But so it's only been one year. Marshawn Lattimore, talent-wise, off the charts. The yep. injuries are what's scary. When you, Okay, so to, to give a firm answer on the question, I think Ward will be comparable to what Sidney Jones' grade is. I think Josh Jackson will be behind some of those guys. I like Josh Jackson a lot. I don't think Same. he's as good as Jones, Ward, uh, Lattimore. Might be in that Marlon Humphrey, Quincy Wilson kind of range. Yeah. But the thing with Josh Jackson is, you know, is he going to be able to backpedal at the next level? I know the ball skills are tremendous. Off coverage, he looks super, super good. So it's it's going to be a very interesting learning curve for him because he has a lot of potential to be a stud. Yeah, he really does. And... Last year's corner class was so deep. Okay, uh, from Jordan, I always get these last names. I Polakowski. Polakowski. <laughs> Thank you. That's why all my friends have nicknames, guys, because I, I can't do this. Uh, Very short. Yeah. Is Steelers miss out on Leighton Vander Esch and Rashawn Evans? Do they trade back or take best player available? I think they Ooh, just go best Geis? player available. Yeah, yeah. it could be Geis. Uh, you could always look for a little more depth. Um I've said before, like Malik Jefferson fits what they do. I, I said it on our mock draft Monday show. So th there are definitely some options um, to where, sure. I mean, I wouldn't trade back very far. That's for damn sure, because I'm, I don't really love this draft class at the top around two. So if you're going to trade back from where are they sitting at 28, you're not going to, I mean, where are you going to trade back to, you know, Cleveland has two of the first three picks in the second round. The giants, the giants at 34, maybe, but um, I would just take the best player available. Yeah, I think I I don't really like moving back because what are you going to get an extra three or a four for going yeah. back from the end of round one into into round two unless you swap the, for picks in the future because you got to get a replacement for Big Ben. So I would stay put and take the best player available there. Um, okay, this next one from Matt Peters at Matt underscore Peters eighty six. Who are some guys you could see the Eagles trading up for if they start to fall towards pick thirty two? Man, they're an aggressive team, so I don't they even are. rule that out. I think linebacker, maybe. Maybe they do like a guy like Rashawn Evans. Or 
maybe they do stay, stay put and get your guy Malik Jefferson, a real run and chase kind of backer with, uh, you know, excellent athleticism. That's a really interesting question because, you know, th- yes, I know they signed Mike Wallace, but I think DJ Chark or DJ Moore would be really nice fits long term in that, ver- you know, in an offense that maybe wants to get vertical with Carson Wentz returning. Yeah. And even though like they like they got your boy Sidney Jones last year and he looks like he's gonna be a really good player. I can still see them address the secondary. So like our guy, Justin Reed, if he happened yeah. to slip a little bit, I think he would be a really good fit there, even though like Malcolm Jenkins is a stud and Rodney McLeod as a hitter. Like I love that that combo, but you can always get depth, you know, especially in the secondary. So. I don't know that they're necessarily a trade up team just because of how loaded they are. You know, I, I wrote about this in my last mock draft that they are the hardest team for me to to predict at this point because they are they are aggressive, they're they're unpredictable, and they don't have very many needs. So maybe an offensive There's no guard. Obvious need. You know, like if one yeah, of the just, guards started yeah. yeah, trading up for a guard, though the Niners did that with Joshua Garnett, and look how good he is. I well, that. I suggested uh I suggested Kelsey's long-term replacement at center, maybe in James Daniels or Billy Price, but I'm also terrified of Kelsey killing me. If you ever heard this, yeah, no, so, he's going to be calling well, you out when they win the Super Bowl next year. You know, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, stick to football. Which be good for the show. All publicity is good publicity, Connor. So I'd be like, what's we'll let's stick it. to football? <laughs> Never heard yeah. of it. So speaking of which, there was a really good tweet yesterday. Um, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network kind of decided to to shit on the Yankees hiring Aaron Boone. <laughs> you know, it's like three games into the season and said, let's go Mets, which I'm all for, as you guys know. And I'm telling you, Matt, like 50 to 70% of the replies were stick to football. That's what people wrote to him. Just stick to football. Well, did and you see I'm, Schefter was tweeting about basketball and he was doing hashtag stick to football? It was like, just throw oh, the man, hat. Just I know. throw the hat. It, it, Come on, yeah, man. It would be some, oh man. Friend of the Schefter. pod even. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, we got to have Schefter back on. He was great. But yeah. yeah, it's great branding for us. One last question. And we had to edit it because uh, we we tried to do the, the original question uh, in Mobile and our lovely producer, Whiskey Dan, shut us down. So, Who's it from? Uh, it doesn't say. Kennedy plugged the questions <laughs> in and doesn't say. It's probably from her. So <laughs> we can't do MFK. And if you don't know what that means, Google it on a not work computer and not around your children. So we're going to rank them. Carry on Johnson, Ronald Jones, and Rashad Penny. Oh, this so, is a layup. A lot of round two type guys, but I, I agree. I think it's a layup. Go ahead. Ronald Ronald Jones, Carry on Johnson, Rashad Penny. Boom. Mic drop. That's why we get yep. along so well because yep. or we talk too much and people are probably like, would you two just fucking disagree about something? But we disagree about the quarterbacks <laughs> enough that everything this, else can be this, cool. Sometimes I notice one one will say something on like a show and then the next week the other will say the same thing and it's not even like it's just habit <laughs> at that point. So what else can you really say? All right, man. That was a fun show. Um so we do have a lot going on this week because Draft 400 oh, came out this month. Mock Draft Mondays started this week. Uh we have this show and then Friday morning Mello and I are back off of our uh bereavement time. Going to have a lot of fun and you definitely want to get on Apple Podcast, subscribe, download, rate, and there's there's going to be a lot of great content that comes out this entire month as we get to the lead up of the draft. We're going to do our best to give you guys the, the, the type of coverage that you want in our stick to football kind of fun way. So mock drafts every Monday morning, every Wednesday morning, you're going to get a ton of info and insight. And then Friday mornings, you're going to get a little info and drinking stories and Mello is going to make you laugh. So that's our show for the week. For me, for Connor, we'll talk to you guys real soon. Thanks.